for so much. Now, the story that we're all so anxious to hear. I want you to welcome with me to my right is Tina Cook, Brian Cook, her lovely husband, and Tina's older sister, Charlotte. Would you give them a great big warm welcome? And so the story starts today. Now, I want you to know that today is the first time that Tina has ever told her story publicly. This is a very traumatic story, a very graphic story, even in the descriptions. Uh, there are some photos later. We'll give you a heads up, a warning that if you're squeamish, it would be best to close your eyes. But this is more than just a story. This is Tina's life. And so for Tina, as she recounts the story and hears aspects of the story, it brings back some very strong emotion and traumatic experiences. I appreciate and I congratulate Tina and Brian for being brave, brave enough to be here today and to share what has been a very scary, near-death, traumatic experience and the encounter that you had with God so that we could all benefit so church, if you can appreciate that kind of braveness and that generosity, give them one more big round of applause, a big thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to start this story today by starting with Tina's personal life. I am going to ask her a few questions about her walk with Christ prior to the accident because I believe it's very pertinent to many of you here and very pertinent to the story because it shows how merciful, how gracious God is. So with that, Tina, welcome to uh, Grace and Faith today and thank you for being here to tell your story. Now, Tina, I remember you and Brian came to our church for a number of years but prior to this accident, when you attended church, you were still at that place where you weren't sure if you believed. And you shared this with me after the accident. Mm -hmm. So explain to the congregation. You'd come to church. You'd go through the motions. How was it for you? What was going on? I didn't believe. I was agnostic. I was the modern-day doubting Thomas. And uh, I had to touch it and feel it for it to be real. And if I couldn't touch it, see it, and believe it, I didn't believe. And, you know, Tina, I appreciate that kind of sincerity. Um, while you came to church, we didn't necessarily know on the outside. No. God knew. But, you know, Tina, what I love about God is he loved you then <laughs> while you were questioning, while you were wondering, and he proved his love to you in the middle of this near fatality. And uh, I just want to say to each and every person, I understand that right now there are people in this audience at all different places in terms of, do I believe God? Do I believe there is a God? And that's okay. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And that's why we get so excited. This is so much more than just religion. 
going to church. No, we have God living with us, talking with us, helping us out in all types of situations. So Tina, thank you for being so transparent and honest. Uh, as we start to unfold your stories, I think it's really important, Brian, uh, how many times had you and Tina dived prior to this tragic event? Were you novices? How many times had you been diving? At least 400. At least 400 times. And since the accident, you've been diving again. So what is roughly your total? 650. 650 dives. Well, that's uh, 649 times more than me. I think that puts you slightly ahead of my experience. Uh, no doubt we can understand these guys are master divers, and even at the time of the tragedy, they were master divers. They were not novices. So uh, to start that fateful day, here you guys are on the deck of the boat. Brian, what did the captain say? What did the dive master say and do? What did you guys do? So on the East Coast, West Palm Beach, it's a northern current. It's a drift dive. So the captain spun the boat and faced south and put the boat in neutral and said, dive, dive, dive. Well, their dive master went first. Then four of our group went before us, and they drifted away. When Tina jumped in, she was slowly going back towards the boat and then under the boat. And I yelled, Tina. And then all of a sudden, we, just, we heard a bang and felt a thump. So the, the boat, boat was positioned contrary to the current so that when you dive, the current would take you away, away. from the boat. Right. But <laughs> Tina disappears towards the back of the boat, and then there's a thump. Right. The, when, at that point, the boat was obviously put in reverse, and he backed over her, and she got sucked up into the propeller. Wow. So the boat was supposed to be in neutral. neutral but the propeller was actually still spinning. In what happened when the thud was heard? How did the captain respond? So the mate actually yelled, what was that? Somebody tell me what that was. And the dive master went down, came up, and he yelled to, she yelled to the captain, kill the engine, call the Coast Guard. She's in the propeller. Wow. Brian, that had to have totally rocked your emotions. She's in the propeller. Yeah. I mean... 400 dives, you know that is not a good scenario. Right, it's not normal. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tina, okay, let's come to you. Here you are. What happened? You dive, you jump into the water, you expect to go the opposite direction. What was going on in your mind, and what were you experiencing? Right. So, um, before I jumped in, I noticed the other divers drifting away just like normal, but somehow it had been put in reverse after I jumped in or after the last diver went in before me. And when I jumped in, I turned around and as I'm turning around, I would usually be drifting away from the boat, but the boat was pretty much on top of me. So I felt the, the pulling and the sucking of the engines, but I wasn't sure exactly what that pulling was. So I went to grab the ladder because I knew I was way too close to the boat. And when I grabbed the ladder, my fingertips touched the ladder, but I couldn't get my hand around 
the, the, ladder, the ladder, ladder itself. So I felt the, the propeller hit my fins and after that I felt it hit the backs of my legs and go from the backs of my knees and legs all the way up and, and hit my bucks. Right. So Tina, I remember when you described this to me, you literally felt the blade slicing away right. into your leg. Mm -hmm. And as it pulled you in further, the blade went up higher and yes. higher. And then you heard a crunching sound. What was that? I heard my, my bones actually being broke. Everything happened in slow motion and I heard everything. I felt everything. So, so the propeller, after it sliced behind your knee, went mm -hmm. up your left leg, yep. severed into and under your buttocks. It got into your pelvis and started crunching away yep. on the left side of your pelvis. Yes. We, are, we have some photos. Now, we're going to put up a warning, especially for those that are live streaming with us and for you as well. If you are sensitive if you don't like the look of blood I want you to be forewarned we are going to show these pictures for one reason and one reason only I don't want you to think for one moment this was just a minor mishap this was a major tragedy in motion and uh, as you see these photos uh, we're about to show them if you need to close your eyes do that and we will tell you when it is safe to open your eyes again of course if there are any children you might want to just shield them and the first photo that we're about to see uh, is the initial slicing uh, under the buttocks you can see that the blade came up under that flap of skin and started to crunch the pelvis but it actually starts behind her left knee. And in the next photo, if we had turned to the next photo, you'll see it starts level with her knee and the blade literally cuts up her leg into her buttocks and it lacerates her femur artery, okay? And uh, we have Charlotte here. Charlotte is not only Tina's older sister, she is a doctor. And after Tina was brought back to the east, uh, West Coast, uh, from the, she, east, coast from the west east Coast, she and a group of doctors and surgeons actually continued Tina's care. Uh, Charlotte, I mentioned the fact that it lacerated the femur artery. Did I did I pronounce that right? Femoral artery. Femoral so artery. Yes. Okay. I'm. Yes. Getting my doctorate in medicine as well. That's, no, not really. That's okay. <laughs> uh, femoral artery. It lacerated in two places. Why is that important and why is that critical? Well, let me introduce myself appropriately. I'm a doctor of nursing practice. I work in the trauma center and I specialize as a, a hospitalist in internal medicine. So I knew a lot of the surgeons and the uh, orthopedics and infectious disease and all the doctors we work in conjunction because it took a slew of them to manage her care. So why is it important that if it, it lacerates the femoral artery, it's the main vessel that leads to the heart that pumps the blood and then sends the blood systemically through the body. Um, so the, la the femoral artery is along, it branches out both legs. So her femoral <coughs> artery uh, was lacerated twice and it takes about one to three minutes depending on the severity of the laceration 
to bleed out and then have cardiac arrest. So when a person bleeds out, they will go into cardiac arrest? If they lose enough volume, yes. If they lose enough volume of blood, what happens to the other organs as they're deprived of blood? So there's a thing called the golden hour, uh, and I think you'll go more into that. Mm. So if uh, there's too much blood loss, the body can go into shock, and then organ, the vital organs can start shutting down. Now, I, I think when we were talking the other day, you said there were three major organs that... That are specifically affected. That, right. Yeah, you have the kidney, the lungs, and the heart that all work in conjunction together. Right. So as she starts to lose too much blood, those three organs in particular go into shock and start shutting down and affects everything, everything else. Everything, yes. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I think we could all agree that from the look of those photos... Um, it doesn't matter how much experience you have, no one has experience recovering from that. Would you agree? Yes. And again, I think you could appreciate the braveness uh, for Tina to be here. Those two photos in particular that you just saw, Tina to this day has not seen because of the trauma. She has preferred not to see them. So would you please, one more time, let her know how much you appreciate her bravery sharing her story. Tremendous. Tremendous. We have another video, uh, photo that we want to show you, and this now is an x-ray, and it's the x-ray of after the fact, your pelvis, the left side of your pelvis was just crushed to pieces, and they had to put numerous plates uh, to put it all together again. So, Charlotte, would you explain this to us in layman's terms? So, as you can see, the plates are the long uh, parts of the hardware, and those are the screws that go in that hold the plates to the bone so that the bones can uh, heal back together. Now, the reason for the black holes and what looks like a bracelet is so that they are designed so that these plates, the doctors can put screws in at any point where there are fractures, where it's broken off, so that they can put the screws to hold the pieces together so that eventually it will mend. Is that correct? This is correct, yes. All right. So I passed my first test. You did great. <laughs> there you go. Do you want me to assist in one of the Next surgery? Time, right? You really would not <laughs> want me. I don't want to be there. I, listen, I appreciate doctors and nurses. It is a gift. It is an absolute gift. And can we appreciate Charlotte and the whole host of nurses and doctors that serve our communities? Thank you so, so much. Now, what was the reaction you shared with me, the surgeon who actually put her pelvis back together? I mean, it doesn't look too bad there, but what did this surgeon say? It was one of the most challenging, difficult uh, pieces of uh, jobs, uh, job that he's done. Um, and in fact, I, I like to add this, there's a screw bit that's broken off up there by one of the nails if you guys can see it on the pelvis. Yes. So just above that second screw is a thin line sticking out. Tina, what is that? A drill bit. It's a broken drill bit. I was wondering where my one-eighth drill bit went. <laughs> 
Tina is a literal walking uh, tend the tool man assistant. She has all the hardware he could ever need on any one of his projects. Do you ever have trouble going through the airport? Sometimes. Sometimes. Do you tend to pick up magnets? Nope. None of those yet. Well, we're not laughing at your expense, but that is quite a bit of hardware to right. carry around. Uh, Tina, what happened? While you were under the boat, what was going through your mind as opposed to as the propeller was cutting through your body? Well, as soon as it stopped, I'm looking at the water and I'm trying to swish it away because I couldn't see. There was so much blood in the water and body matter. And um, I thought, this is it. I'm going to die. This, this is my, this is how I go. <laughs> And the last thing that goes through your head is, does, do my loved ones know that I love them? Do they know? And um, Amazing. you never know when your next it's a good is. Re It's a good reason, isn't it, to always tell the people you love that yep. you love them. Yep. Never assume that they know. It's important to hear it. Right. So here you are, convinced you're about to die, mm -hmm. and you're wondering whether or not he knows and other loved ones know how much you love them. Right. So, Tina, you mentioned earlier that your mother-in-law had often told you mm -hmm. that if you're ever in a crisis, what should you do? Call on the name of Jesus. And so Gloria has ta taught you that, imprinted yep. it in your head. Even though you were agnostic, didn't know yep. if you believed, you're going through the motions, but you didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Right. And so here you are, hanging between life and death, literally clamped between the motor and the boat. Right. And you called on the name of Jesus? I did. I was grasping at straws. I thought, well... I, I need to try something. So I said, God, if you're real, you need to prove it right now because I'm dying. Now's your time. Uh, <laughs> good time for him to show up. Hey, <laughs> I think I need some help. Are you there? <laughs> Anyone listening? So what happened? The moment you cried out, did something happen instantly? Yes. It, it, uh, it came out of nowhere. It was a light, a very, very bright light. And it was the brightest light that I've ever felt. And it was followed by a tinge of blue-ish in the background, I guess. And um, it just covered me like a blanket. It just laid on me and it was full of love. And I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel any discomfort. It was just so peaceful. Now, it's important to note, you were not unconscious. No. So you weren't not hallucinating. No. You call on the name of God, the name of Jesus, and right. you said, if you're real, this is a good time to show up. And he showed up. And if he I, made a grand entrance. Right. And if I had passed out, I would have naturally lost my regulator. And we will get to that yeah. in a moment because that would have led to you drowning. Right. 
on top of everything else that was going on. Yes. So you, you saw the brightest white light mm -hmm. you've ever seen. Yes. Now, what's really fascinating about this is that the Bible says that God lives in unapproachable light. Now, in my vocation as a minister, I've had opportunity on several occasions to interview people who have died and come back to life. And one of the common things you hear is that when they approach Jesus or approach God, there's this incredible white, bluish light. The, and they always say it's the brightest light they ever saw. But here's my question. Did it blind you? Did you have to close your eyes or were you able to look no, at it? No, it was beautiful and it was intensifying. It, it was just overwhelming with love and comfort and see, peace. See, to me, this is fantastic hearing this because it's just another proof yet again to me. Knowing the research I've done, the people that I've interviewed, that's the thing everyone says. The brightest light yeah. ever, and yet it never caused them to dim their eyes or close their eyes. While it's the brightest light it's a comforting light. Yeah. It's a life light that draws you to him and is not harmful to your sight. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So you're hearing the bones crunch. The motor finally stops. You see blood everywhere. You know you're about to die. An amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. And yet, you said you felt tremendous love. Now, I know Brian loves you deeply, okay? Was it different than that kind of love? Yes. Describe it to us. It was consuming and overpowering, but not in a sense where it, you can't stand it. it you, you can't get enough of it, but there's so much. It, it's... So you felt like you couldn't exhaust this love. Yeah, it was incredible. It was comforting. Words just can't express what I went through. It, it, they don't, ex that I don't know the words. I don't know that there are any. To explain how much love and peace. Yeah. Now, you said all the pain left immediately. I would go back to that moment right now if I could. Minus the propeller. Minus the propeller. Yeah. <laughs> I Never. think we all agree, right? <laughs> we don't mind experiencing that minus the propeller. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, the fact that you had no pain and you said peace. Yeah. You weren't worried about your situation. I wasn't worried about a thing. Nothing. So you, you went from panic, I'm about to die. Right. Do people know I love them to? Total peace. Total peace. You Total weren't peace. worried or panicking whatsoever. Nothing. And again, what's really unique and incredible about this, remember, Tina was not really a practicing born-again Christian. So reading the Bible was not your favorite comic book, right? <laughs> and the Bible says that God will give us a peace that passes all understanding. In her logical, analytical brain, you knew, I'm dead. This, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm yep. done for, not going to survive. You knew that uh, you're five miles out to sea, and the chances of you being rescued and surviving 
are slim to none. You knew your bones were being crunched because you heard it. Blood was everywhere, and yet you had a sense of peace. Yeah. Folks, only God can do that. How many of you agree only God can do that? Absolutely. She was not in trauma or a state of shock. She had been. But now at this point, she goes to a place of absolute peace. And were you losing consciousness? Not at all. Not at all. Totally I was, aware. I was more awake in that moment than ever. <laughs> all my senses were on key. Tina, I'm laughing. You didn't say this in the earlier no. uh, taping. <laughs> but the reason why I'm laughing, and I love the honesty and simplicity, <laughs> is because, again, every time I interview people who have come back from the dead, They've made comments to the effect, I don't know why they call it dead, because you become more alive yeah. than when you're alive. Right. And you felt more alive in that moment right. than normal. Right. And I never died. No, <laughs> Just no, saying. no, no. But you became but even more alive. God came down, and God was right there. Now you heard him talk to you. Yes. Tina, tell everybody what God said. He said, I am, and there is no one above me. And he said my name. He said, Tina, you're, it's not your time. See, I love this church. Those of you that are a little bit more, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those of you that are a little bit more grounded in the word can appreciate what she heard theologically was absolutely correct. God said, I am. That's God's name. I am that I am. He's not the God of yesterday. He's not the God who might be in the future every day. Today, tomorrow, next week, in 50 years' time, he is I am that I am. And the reason why that's his name, he is the God who is ever-present. Time does not constrain him or rule him, or dictate to him. He is above time, therefore his name is I am that I am. So you are repeating to us a theological profound truth that God is I am. And what did it feel like that he's saying your name? Amazing. <laughs> like... Now here you were, you been, had been coming to church, you weren't really a believer. Did he say your name and say, Tina, and no. he scolded you? No, not at all. So what was it like? It was a deep, stern voice, and it was a beautiful voice. So was, not an angry voice. No, it was beautiful. So stern as in firm, yeah. Tina. Yeah. I love you. Like, yeah. You're not, it's not your time. Right. And it brought you tremendous comfort. Right. Isn't that amazing? Friend, yeah, 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 yeah. God, give it up to him. Look, I don't know where you stand in your debate of whether or not there is a God. But this is what I want you to understand through Tina's story. Irrespective of what your life has been about, is about, or used to be about, God loves you, and he knows you by name. The Bible says he knows the very hairs on our head. 
In my case, he is counting backwards. But he knows you by name. And that's because God doesn't want to sit in heaven as a judge. He wants to be the God who loves you and knows you personally and intimately. Amazing, Tina. Now, here he is. Brian, you went under. What did you think you were going to find? What? Well, we were over there uh, lobstering, so I had, like, nets on me and tickle sticks and stuff, so I pulled that off. I jumped in the water, and when I came from the back of the boat to her, I, I thought it was going to be a recovery, not a rescue. Right. Um, she was hanging in the propeller with the, her leg just filleted open. I said to God, God, don't, please don't let her be dead. Um, I, I went up to her. I, I looked in her eyes, and I said, are you okay? Well, I didn't say it because I had a regular right. hair in my mouth. But um, she blinked and showed me that she was okay. So I had to spin the propeller and push the tank out. But I also realized that the propeller went under her bathing suit bottom three times. So I had to spin that, pull her out, and then brought her back to the... Now, that leads us to a really interesting point. Charlotte, you had said that depending on the lacerations, you have a minute to three minutes and you bleed out. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, with the when this all came to light with her bathing suit, I know that there's a thing of science, then there's a spiritual world. But without, sci or without the spiritual world, science doesn't happen. So... You know, the doctors were just amazed that Tina survived this because they're thinking all science. I, on the other hand, said, makes sense. Her leg was tourniqueted by the bathing suit that she chose to wear that day because she almost wore a wetsuit. And if she wore the wetsuit, she, we don't know what would have happened. But I know that she had better odds with the bathing suit that made the tourniquet that was pulled up high above and into her groin that tourniqueted her leg to stop the um, blood from flowing out because it was below the lacerations. So that was a miracle in itself. So it created a natural tourniquet. It literally pulled the bikini bottom up mm -hmm. above the uh, highest laceration and then across her groin, and it literally slowed the flow of blood down. Well, Otherwise, she, she would have been water, dead yes. before they got her up to the boat. This is correct. Come on, give God a round of applause. That is an awesome miracle. One of the next miracles, if we could turn to uh, the next photo, it's the photo of the boat propeller. And you'll see it's covered in barnacles. That's the actual propeller. Now, Charlotte, again, you work in trauma. Uh, open wounds in the open sea, uh, what are some of the difficulties you face? So you can imagine all the bacteria in the water and the bacteria that's on that boat propeller from oils and from gases, the barnacles itself can cause uh, infection in the body where we don't have, we have a lot of antibiotics, but the antibiotics for wounds from the sea or the ocean uh, don't work as well as the bacteria that we find on our surface are exposed to here on the earth. So that was one of the things I was worried about after all of her injuries. How well did they wash her out? How is she going to get through this? And then, uh, you know, without getting an infection. One of my biggest concerns in the beginning. So she went through nine surgeries. Uh, in the end, not one fever with 
Foley catheters with IV lines, central venous lines, all kinds of tubes. She was intubated. Uh, and then... Um, so it, so yeah, no, no, no infections. No, no fever, fevers, no, no infection whatsoever. Whatsoever. That is incredible. <laughs> Miracle number two. Absolutely incredible. Then we have the fact that you're, you obviously hit your head because you had chipped a tooth. You weren't knocked unconscious. If you had been knocked unconscious, let's go to the next photo. We're going to show you the re regulator. Brian, if you would take the prop. This is your personal uh, regulator and tank. And put the regulator in your mouth. This is not strapped to your head. Your face mask is strapped to your head. This is only held by what? Your teeth. By your teeth and your lips. And so in the pain with her screaming and everything, she had not lost her regulator or she would have drowned. She, her head was knocked. You chipped a tooth. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And was not knocked out. If she was knocked out, she would have lost her regulator and drowned on the water. On top of that, the tank is behind her. The propeller hits the tank, and the propeller bends from the impact, and the tank is wedged there. She's strapped into the jacket, can't get away, and the propellers never cut any of your air hoses. And it didn't puncture or wound the tank. The tank. It scratched. It made grooves. But it, this one is a steel tank. I had an aluminum tank, and it didn't explode. If that had happened, it would have taken the whole boat down. If that tank had have exploded, there's a good 3,000 pounds per square inch. It would have blew out the bottom of the boat and blown you to smithereens. How big is God? How great is God? Come on, give him a round of applause. This is absolutely miraculous. Absolutely fantastic that you didn't become unconscious, lose your regulator, your hoses didn't get cut. God kept you alive that whole time. Right, like and that. when Brian came up and saw me, when he looked at me, he said, I looked at total peace. Amazing. She didn't have panic in her eyes or nothing. She was having peace and you were freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I want to add also the size of the propeller and how it went into her body. It missed every vital organ. It missed her bladder, her colon, uh, her stomach, all of the areas it could have hit, never touched. Uh, all, only on the MRI, the physicians were saying, I don't know how I missed the sciatic nerve because only under the MRI can you see the proximity of where the blades hit and right next to it was the sciatic nerve <clears throat> untouched. Untouched. You are a blessed woman. God was looking after you. And all because your mother-in-law taught you to cry out on the name of, of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, you had shared how when you were in this tremendous <laughs> bubble, so to speak, of love and the warmth of God, you see him, and what mm. were you thinking? What were you trying to do? I wanted to share what I was experiencing, <laughs> the love and the complete peace. I wanted him to share it with me. So I, you thought that if he came into your proximity... He could feel it. If, and I, was, I blinked three times because that's how we tell each other we love each other without saying it. So I blinked three times thinking, he's going to know I love him. Right. <laughs> And, and, and he would come into this love 
right. that I was feeling. And yet, as you swam around her, you didn't have that experience, did you? No. <laughs> Something wrong with him. <laughs> no. I was just in go mode. You, you know? were in go mode, but God was ministering to you. You're the one right. who had trouble believing. Yeah. And God was saying, I am, and I am here. Mm -hmm. And Tina, it's not your time to go. I am explained everything to me in that one moment. Really? Isn't that awesome? That is incredible. Tina, there is no question you had a God experience in what was meant to be, by the kingdom of darkness, a fateful mm -hmm. day would have ended your life. But in fact, it actually became the beginning of your spiritual life. Devil got robbed. Devil got robbed. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. The devil got robbed. So you went from, eh, I don't know, I go to church, I'm not really sure. What do you think about God now? Is he real? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can never deny him. Ever again. Ever. Ever again. You know, they were um, five miles out to sea. It was four to five foot waves. And the golden hour means that from the moment of trauma, you have 60 minutes to get the patient from the tragic place that they're at into surgery or your chances of survival drop horrendously. Correct. So you have what they call the golden hour uh, because the body goes into shock. It's a protective mechanism initially. But you have that time frame to get medical attention, the appropriate medical attention to have a chance of survival. And so Tina made it one uh, other miraculous um, event that happened was that the Fish and Wildlife was two minutes, the Coast Guard four minutes away while they were five miles off the coast. From the distress call that went out to the time she made it to the trauma bay was 54 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Turn to somebody and say, that's a double wow. And Tina doesn't do medicine, and I'm going to add this because we talked about it before. When she got up on the boat, she started barking orders about the appropriate things to do for her own survival, knowledge that she would have not had firsthand. She started orchestrating her own care the minute her body hit the deck. Now, we know, she, we know she's used to barking orders at Brian. <laughs> But this was very different, people. Something supernatural came over you, and you're saying she spoke things medically in order and correctly that, that, that helped to. save her life. There was a paramedic on board. When he saw her, he didn't know really how to jump into action. And she's like, what are you waiting for? Get the tourniquet. He was in shock. He was in shock, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Come on, I think we need to give God another round of applause. That's Tina's story. The most important thing is your story. I appreciate the fact that you're here today and you, no doubt, have heard one incredible story. But the gospel is about your story. God so loves you as an individual. You're not a faceless, nameless person. The Bible tells us he literally knows us by name. God loves you. 
and he cares about you, and you're important to him. And sometimes we think, well, I've done too much of this, or I've been too bad, or I, I don't know if I could do that Jesus stuff. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our lives, of our consciousness, of our heart, and he'll knock. And you have had opportunities throughout your life where you've heard friends talk about Jesus, talk about God, you've seen something on a movie, you've heard something on a radio, and you had a moment to reflect. God looks for these moments to knock on our awareness and our consciousness so that we can respond positively and invite him into our hearts. You see, God is not content to live way out there. He wants to be personal and live with you and live in you and be a part of your day-to-day -day life. And this is where religion often misses it. We think we go to church, we do our religious due diligence, and we're good. But Jesus never came to establish religion. He came to bring everyone into a dynamic, personal relationship with God the Father. And so right now, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and stand with our guests. I'm going to ask you for a moment to close your eyes. I'm going to ask if Tina, Brian, and Charlotte would come on down the steps and just join me here for a moment. This is the most important time because this is your time. You see, you're here for a reason. You may not have realized that, but your curiosity was used by the Holy Spirit to draw you here so that God could have a moment with you. While every eye is closed, the Bible tells us that every one of us have sinned and made mistakes and messed up. And sin will always separate us from a holy God. But God doesn't want to be separated from us. He wants to have relationship. He loves us. He wants to react with us and live with us. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Tina had religion before, and it didn't do anything for her. But in that moment, she called on God, and since that time, Tina walks and breathes and lives in a relationship with Jesus Christ and knows that he's for real. This morning before we go, I want to give every one of you that opportunity as the Holy Spirit of God is knocking on your heart. Will you say yes to Jesus Christ? Will you say yes to a God who loves you exactly how you are and where you are? Will you open your heart and say, God, how could you love me so much? And how could I refuse such an amazing love? So with every eye closed at this moment, right now, as the Holy Spirit is talking to you, as you feel that sense of a presence 
wooing you and pulling you. Right now is the moment to ask Jesus in your heart. It's your golden hour. If you asked him in your heart as a child in Sunday school, but you've walked away all these years and done your own thing, and you know that you need to come back to him, or if you've never done this before, right now, while every eye is closed, would you raise your hand? Come on. Right across this auditorium. Just raise your hand right now. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand, sir. To my left, you can put it down. Ma'am, I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you. This is awesome. Who else? There are others here ready to make a decision. Those of you that already raised your hand, you can put it down. Who else? I just feel a drawing to, towards the back on my right-hand side. The Spirit of God is wanting to bring you into relationship with God. Who else this morning wants to say, yes, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For those of you that are watching via live stream, we're so glad you're with us. Even in your living room, you can say yes. I might not see you, but God surely sees you. I would like this here. Those of you that raise your hand, I would like for Tina and I to pray with you just for a moment. Just for a moment. And everyone in this church building, if you love Jesus Christ, then very gently, very sensitively, turn to the person on your left or on your right. I realize you may not know them, and you might know them. But very respectfully, gently, ask them, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And if they have never asked Christ into their heart, invite them to join you. You're willing to come with them. Those of you that raise your hands, come on, start to step out of the aisle. I want to pray with you for one moment. Thank you, young ladies. Ma'am, would you come? Those of you that raised your hand, just join me for a moment and turn to the person next to you. Thank you, sir. Good on you, buddy. I love seeing men say yes to Jesus. Come on, let's give these people a big round of applause as they respond. Isn't that